class tonight, uh, so you get that time to, to spend with your families. And uh, then on Wednesday night, she's like she said, Pastor will be back, and uh, at 6 o'clock we'll be meeting here and to receive from the Lord. Get ready right now, because Brother Zach is going to come. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because the women's conference is next Sunday, Friday night, starting Friday night. Sister Virginia, come on ahead and share, if you will. Then when you get done, you can pass it all the baton to Brother Zach, okay? And I'll sit down. Okay, mark your calendars, 7 o'clock here Friday night to kick off our conference for this year, our 14th which is quite, a, quite an accomplishment. When we started several years ago, we didn't know it was going to be an annual thing and, and go on and on. Uh, but it gets better every year. We're looking forward to Dr. Dawson coming and uh, ministering to us Friday night. Then on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, uh, we will have uh, ministry. Should have made this. Yes, yeah. Susan Hartle, wonderful woman, pastor's wife, been in ministry for years, seasoned, uh, very interesting. Each lady has a, their own ministry flavor that we have coming, and so it won't be the same every service. Uh, we'll have lunch around 12 o'clock or so, and then we'll come back around 1. And Lisa Dilday will uh, be ministering to us, and then Shirley Darnell after her. Then we'll take a short break, and we'll be back here at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. That will give you time to rest up a little bit for Sunday morning because we expect to see you back in church on Sunday morning. And uh, Connie Dawson will be ministering for our service then, and we will have lunch after the service. She said she would be around, so so we will have lunch, and you'll have a chance to visit with her maybe and get acquainted. We're looking forward to meeting her and for her to meet this great gr group of people in our church family. Pastor Zach. Hey, let's go ahead and pray for the conference here. Stay right here with me, Sister Virginia. Stay close. Let's pray. Let's pray for all those who are coming and for all that. So, Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to host a conference like this. Thank you for, uh, for God's powerhouse ministry and for all the things that they have been able to do and the people that they have touched and influenced. Thank you, Father, that, that it's not about one specific ministry or another, but, Father, that this is about your kingdom and that people can be impacted greatly by your kingdom's work. So, Father, we just pray for every single person that is going to be here, that their hearts will be open, that they'll be ready to receive, uh, that whatever that they're dealing with, Father, that, that will be dealt with there, and that they will be able to, to walk away with more freedom, with more love for you, with more joy, with more peace, and that, Father, those who need to be here, Father, that there's no hindrance for them to come, that those who, uh, they may be on the, uh, it's kind of going back and forth, if they even want to do that, Father, just, just give them that little nudge to where they can actually make it over here and receive the ministry that they want to. Lord, let this be a great time of encouragement and a great time of refreshing for those people who are going to be in attendance. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, happy Father's Day to all you dads. If you're a father in the house, stand up. 
Stand up. We want to honor you. Let's give every one of these dads a huge round of applause. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. It's it's an honor to be able to speak. Last year, I actually wasn't here. Danielle and I were we were actually at Dr. Dawson's church. <laughs> uh, we were over there ministering uh, to her congregation. She loves having a, uh, a father come and speak, usually on Father's Day. And so she uh, invited me to come out and to minister with them. So I got to lead worship and, uh, and, and minister with them. So it was a really great time. Uh, she actually ends up being, I've, I've talked to a lot of different students. And uh, of course, graduating in April, you can hear the, the testimonies from all the different students who graduated that typically their favorite instructor was Dr. Dawson. Um, she ended up being one that, that just really encouraged and, and, uh, and motivated and grew a lot of the students that were there. Uh, you can even hear it in a lot of professors. I've been able to, to, to kind of get connected with a lot of different professors now, uh, now being a graduate and doing a lot of teaching assistant stuff with the seminary. And about each one of them, when they find out that I've been a teaching assistant for Dr. Dawson, they're like, all right, so what is she doing that all the students are loving so much, and why is it that she's connecting with them so well in different areas? So I, I think it's a real treat that she gets to come out here. I'm, I'm very excited. She's been a great mentor to me, um, great, uh, great encourager for the things that I feel like I want to get done in, uh, in academics as well. So it's been really, really great to do that. And then to have her come out here is just a real, a real treat for me as well, too. So, um, fellas, if you guys are not going to be here for the day sessions, come for the night sessions and enjoy that. It'll be good. You guys are welcome to come pretty much throughout the time. You won't be in the front row, but you can come and help and serve as well, too. So I'll be here for every session. So don't feel like you're alone because I'll be right here with you. So it'll be good. Me and Sherman, that's in that right, Sherman? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Some of the guys in the back. It's good. So I encourage you to make it out. Um, they call it a women's conference, but you can still receive if you are not a lady. So it is great. So here's what I want to do. I want to go through. I've, uh, I've talked about Joshua quite a bit. Over the, uh, over the past couple, six months or so, uh, he's really impacted me just going through and reading uh, a lot of the stuff that he has to say. Today's message is titled, though, Fatherly Advice. I think it's really important to go through and to see um, different people who have been very impactful throughout Scripture. Uh, a lot of them will end up having some kind of farewell address. You can kind of go through and look, th especially even if you have like a president, uh, whenever they're getting ready to leave office, they'll have some kind of a farewell address. If, they've, if there's been someone who's been in a high leadership capacity and they're getting ready to retire, a lot of times they'll address their, their employees, their staff, those who they're around for the last time as an employee for that organization. So anytime that you have someone who's been in a high caliber leadership um, place, they are a lot of times given the opportunity to address people and to let them know kind of their final parting words for those who are getting ready to continue while they leave and exit. And so I, I really enjoy looking through, of course, we know Joshua. When you think of Joshua, you think of Joshua the commander, the warrior, the guy that walked around Jericho with the nation of Israel. You think of this guy who's charging into the, to the, uh, to the to Canaan, uh, the new place that they were promised from Abraham's time. But we don't really think of Joshua as the, as the elder, the elder Joshua. We don't think of him at the, at the tail end of his life, in the, in the tail end of the portion where he's um, actually leading Israel. And so this is kind of the area that I want to focus on with Joshua today, because I think he gives some pretty great advice. And, uh, and so we're going to start off in, in chapter 23, and uh, uh, we'll start in verse 1. It says this, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all of their enemies around them, Joshua, by then, was a very old man. 
this is interesting because they have already taken the entire uh, the entire countryside. They've already taken their land that they have been promised for the um, for the majority of the time. There are some people that they were still working in their in their areas to try to overcome uh, the enemy. But Joshua had gotten his land. Caleb had gotten his land. A few other tribes had already completely secured their land, and so they had gotten to the place to where their enemies were fearful of them. And their enemies did not want anything to do with Israel because they were so powerful because of God who was able to give them this territory. And so Joshua said, he summoned all of Israel, their elders, um, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. Everybody say, I'm very old. I'm very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for, the, for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land, as the Lord your God promised you. And then he says something here. If you remember, when, when uh, Joshua was visited by uh, the angel of the Lord, there was a specific phrase that he said consistently. Does anybody remember what that phrase was? Be strong and courageous, right? Well, we see here that Joshua took that phrase to heart, so much so that in, from the beginning of his leadership all the way till now, in this, in this part of his farewell address, he revisits that phrase. He says here in verse 6, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. Without turning aside to the right or to the left, do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. We're going to pause right here for a little bit. I think it's really important for us to go back and to remember some of the things that we have learned from when we were first coming into the faith. <clears throat> Something that Joshua did was he had this, this phrase repeated over and over. Moses told him, be strong and courageous. The angel of the Lord told Joshua, be strong and courageous. And the next thing that was also uh, told of him was that he was supposed to take the law, take God's word, and to meditate on it day and night. He was supposed to take it and, and have it written on his heart. Have it something that, that would guide him, <clears throat> that would lead him on the path for what he was supposed to do with, as a leader for the nation. And this is something that if you go through and you look at Joshua's reputation, he was a man of valor. He was a man of confidence. He was a man of, of uprightness. Uh, he was a man who, who was a follower of, Christ, of, of God. He was a follower of God. He loved God. He feared the Lord. Not in like, I'm terrified and I'm just going to tremble and fall away. But in the sense of, I cannot imagine my life without you. And I cannot accomplish the things that I have done without you. Without you, I am nothing. And so you see that he takes this and carries it all the way through into his final address to, re to relate, hey, these are the principles. These are some things, if you are going to listen to anything I say, this is something that is going to be the most valuable to you, is to be strong. Be very strong. And remember all the things that God has done. Keep the law. Keep it near and dear to your heart. Don't waver, to, waver from it to the right or to the left. And if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments that, that the Lord gave Moses on Mount Sinai, then you're also familiar with the first two commandments that he had, which was ha both of them had to deal with idolatry. Don't have idols, don't make any graven image, and you don't bow down to these things. 
Those are the first two commandments that the Lord gave Moses to the nation of Israel. It's also the first ones that they broke <laughs> whenever he went back up the mountain. But these two laws were some of the most important things that you can see because when they start to honor idols, when they start to look at other things for satisfaction, then they dishonor God, which means that from Jesus' standpoint of the greatest two commandments, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor as yourself, you completely dismiss that. Because you start to honor yourself by honoring something that's going to give you what you feel is satisfactory in that moment. And so, so Joshua is trying to reiterate to these, to these Israelites, hey, you need to be very strong, be very strong, but keep the law. Keep God's word. Keep it near and dear to you. This is going to be the important thing that helps keep you and drive you. You see, of course, because some, like I said earlier, some of the Israelites, some of these tribes, did not completely overtake their enemies at this time when Joshua was, was addressing the Israelites. They had allowed the, uh, the, the different nations around them to still exist in the place of, of, uh, of their land. So where they were supposed to drive these nations out, some of them remained. And the issue with this was that, and this is why Joshua was addressing this. He's like, the issue with keeping these people groups is not that we hate people. It's the fact that they're dedicated to their gods and to those, that cultural lifestyle of worshiping these idols, of involving themselves in the sexual immorality that they are, and involving themselves with, uh, with, with just a completely different lifestyle than the one that God had designated for his people. You see, because the law actually has things in there. If you have foreigners that live among you, they're to also just abide by the lifestyle that they're supposed to live. Especially because the first two laws, again, the first two commandments, have to deal with idolatry. And the major issue, as you go through all of the Old Testament, the major issue is idolatry in the hearts of the Israelites. And a lot of this com comes from other nations' practices that they were attracted to and they decided to walk into that. They, they decided to worship this calf whenever they created this calf on, uh, on the bottom of Mount Sinai with Moses because that was also an Egyptian god. That was something that they, they recalled from those times. And that was a god of provision, a type of god of provision, one that would, that would provide the food and the di different types of things that they had. Um, there were many different types of gods that were actually formed in the image of a calf. And so that was something that was saying, I'm going to have this calf provide for me instead of God who is the one who delivered us from all of Egypt. And so what these idols represented was something that was a slap in the face to God. And so when you see Joshua's addressing uh, this, this thought process of not turning to the right or to the left, not going after these gods, not bowing down to these idols, it's very important because you see this is something that plagues Israel for all of its days. Every time they allowed a different a different uh, people group to live inside of their walls, to habit, to, to co cohabitate with them, a lot of times they allowed that lifestyle to continue and it would attract them because they seemed to be satisfying their flesh in a way that they didn't have. And this is something we can take to heart right now as people who are living in the year 2022. We're not supposed to hate people by any means. We're not supposed to hate those who, who think differently or who do things differently. But there is a point in time if we are not strong, if we're not very strong, if we're not courageous in our faith, 
if we're not keeping God's word close and near and dear to our hearts, it's very easy for us to be led into a different direction and start to idolize certain things and worship different things. It doesn't have to be a huge calf. It doesn't have to be a big fish head uh, God-like thing or anything. It doesn't have to be a huge graven image. We don't have to carve out something on our own. We don't have to have certain temples that we go to and that we're practicing different things. Worship is a very easy thing for us to fall into when it comes to any kind of idolatrous activity. And that's why it's so important, and this is why I admire Joshua so much, is because he took to heart what God, what the angel of the Lord told him was to keep God's word. Keep it in his heart and keep it on his lips. So that as he spoke to people, love came out, but he also had truth that was attached to his words. We sang about tradition and religion this morning, and, and if, we, if we are just shaking the ground of traditionalism for the sake of shaking traditionalism, but we have no truth behind why we're doing that, it's just preferential, then we're going to find ourselves chasing preferences as preferences change and transform and as the next fad comes through. And that's where we see sometimes uh, some, some churches and, and, and even our own hearts, we can, we can ebb and flow with what the most popular thing seems to be is. Now, there's the opposite of it to where we idolize what we have right now to where we're not ready and we, we're not open enough to move into what God has for us later on. So the intention of our heart and why we do things has to be, has to be kept so near to the word and has to be filtered through the word. Otherwise, we end up doing things just because we feel like it's going to be good. And our feelings don't always lead us into the right direction. And so, so Joshua is being very specific about this. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are told, uh, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. Let's skip down to verse 14, Dennis, if you could. Yeah, 14. Yeah. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises your Lord your God has given you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger, anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. That's a, that's a, str that's a strong word. <laughs> that's how he ends the chapter. <laughs> he will give you all the things that he has promised you as you stay near and dear to him. But when you start to move away from what he's called you to, when you start to move away from the promises of God, when you start to take hold of your own preferences and just go with the ebbs and flows of what, um, what culture is trying to tell you or what the world is trying to, to preach to you, then you start to walk away from the, the protection of the Lord and you start to walk away from the blessings of God. And then you start to blame God for the things that, <laughs> that are going on in your life because, oh my gosh, this is just all terrible. No, you've walked away from the provision of the Lord. And when you do that, the, the natural consequence is that you start to reap the benefits of whatever it is that you're going after. And what you think could be beneficial actually ends up being cursing. 
And you see that the nation of Israel, every time that they walk away from the Lord, every time they walk and they move into idolatry, every time that they start to worship other gods, every time that they start to, to, to fiend after other nations and what they start to do, it begins to be the demise of their nation and all the things that they have there. Their nation gets plummeted. Their people get taken as slaves. They get to, to their whole entire uh, structure. Their walls get broken down. And that's when we see the introduction of Nehemiah. And you see Ezra. And you see these prophets who are just weeping for what is supposed to be happening. And for all the destruction that's happened in their land. Because the people have turned to idolatry. I've mentioned this before. But there's a book uh, by, by, the, by this author, this great theologian, uh, G.K. Beale. Greg Beale. And he talks about, in this book, it's called We Become What We Worship. And it's all about every time you go and you start to worship something, you start to become more like that thing. And the crazy thing is that as you start to worship something that is destructible, you will sooner or later find destruction in your path. But when you worship the one who is eternal, the one who is the creator, you start to find that things that should be barriers start to become highways. That you can go across. Because God makes a way where there is no way. He opens doors that no man can open. Shuts doors that no man should be able to shut. But when you start to walk away and you start to try to do other things and worship other things, you start to become like it. The interesting thing, and I've mentioned this before, but I just love this imagery, is that the prophet Isaiah uh, talked about in in Isaiah chapter 6. He said that, Um, That the people of Israel had eyes but could not see, ears but could not hear. They could not comprehend what was going on in front of them. Because as they worshipped the golden calf, they started to become like the calf that they worshipped, which was just an object. It had eyes that was designed around them because they created this calf and put eyes on it. But that calf actually couldn't see because it's just metal. It had ears, they created ears, but that calf couldn't actually hear what they were saying. It had a head where a brain should go, but it couldn't comprehend a word or anything that was going on around it. And so as they started to worship that thing, they started to become like that thing that they worshiped. And so as we worship other things that are not God, we start to become like those things that we worship. And Joshua is so adamant about telling them, this is what you do not do as a nation, as a people, as followers of God. You cannot do these things. Be strong. Be very strong. Be very strong and keep the word close to you. In chapter 24, he goes on to say this in verse 14. I love this. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your an- that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in those lands you are living But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered and said this, Be far uh, far from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that day of slavery, from the land of slavery, and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and along all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove uh, drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We, too, will serve the Lord because he's our God. Everybody said amen. So Joshua said to the people, (laughs) this is hilarious. Uh, Not really, but kind of. Um, He said, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, 
he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Everybody say, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said this, you are, a, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. And they said, yes, we are witnesses. Now then, Joshua said, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that, but they had right then and there foreign gods. These people remembered that their parents were the ones who worshipped the calf and prohibited all those people from entering into the promised land. They should have been able to get into the promised land within the year. From being at Sinai, getting the Ten Commandments, getting the law delivered, they should have been able to go in to the promised land. They sent the ten spies, or the twelve spies, ten of them came back and were like, nope. Joshua and Caleb were like, let's go, let's make it happen. And they were all terrified. None of those people, except for the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, were able to enter into the promised land, which is a real big bummer for Joshua and Caleb because they had to wait a whole another 40 years to get into a place that they were just in whenever they were looking at. They could see all the great things. They were confident that the Lord was going to do it. And they were the only two out of the entire nation that was able to make it. The next generation had to come through and be able to walk through the promised land. And so the stories and the stories and the stories and the stories of God's faithfulness, not just from the creation story, but going through everything that Moses had to deal with, everything that Joshua had to go through and help out with, everything that happened. I mean, if you go through and read the, portion, the, time and, the time and season from the time that Moses was alive until the time that Joshua came into play, good grief, the amount of miraculous things that occurred, the amount of signs, wonders, and miracles that took place, it's insane to think that anybody would want to do anything else except for serve God. But yet they still are holding on to these idols because they've been influenced by people that they came in and overtook their land. And so he said, throw away these foreign gods. And verse 24 says, the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. So on that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there at Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws and joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of god and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the lord see he said to all the people this stone will be a witness against us it has heard all the words the lord has said to us it will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your god then joshua dismissed the people each to, to their own inheritance here's the thing I love that he put up some kind of memorial. Because every time someone passed by this rock, they remember this is where Joshua read the decrees, the ordinances. This is where he reread the law. This is where me and my family stood up and said, my household will serve the Lord. It was a constant reminder anytime that they traveled from one place to another to see this rock and say, have I been serving the Lord? Have I kept my, my decree? Have I kept my covenant with the Lord. It's great for us to set up memorials for certain things. This is what I love about the law is that when you go through and you start to see that every single season there's some kind of festival, some kind of celebration, some kind of, of, of reminder of God's goodness, what he did in the past 
to remind them every time they came down, they sat at this meal for this feast or this festival. This is what the Lord had done all these years ago. I made a statement. I was, I was, I was laying down in bed the other night. I was, I was going through, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to speak in a couple weeks at a, at a youth camp, and they wanted me to speak on worship at, as I'm leading worship throughout the week. And they're like, hey, we want you to do a morning session over worship. Awesome. So I started to think, what was the easiest way for me to describe what true worship is to a bunch of teenagers in a, like a 30-minute period? <laughs> I was like, I have so much to say, and I don't know how to do it all in 30 minutes. And there was a phrase that came to me that, that like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's remembering for the future today. I'm remembering the past. The past actions that God did. The past things that he, that he was able to take people through. The past um, trials that, that I have gone through. And, the, and, the, and in the past, how he's taken me through those trials and done great things. So I'm remembering the past so that I can prepare for the future. So that I know in the future, if I'm dealing with something right now, I know that in the future, he will see me through like he's done before. I can remember that in the Old Testament, I could see the, the, the process that Israel went through. That even when they were uh, worshiping idols and doing stupid stuff, that he still raised up men and women who were mighty and powerful and righteous. And they would call back the nation to come back and worship the Lord. And they would call and they would come to repentance. And then they would be able to have the presence of the Lord dwelling in power again in front of their midst. And then they, the, the, the beautiful thing of, of him sending Jesus down to come and to live a life that was just completely sinless and just absolutely insane to see all the things that he did and calling people who were not the, the, the typical run-of-the-mill religious leaders and then finding these people and then starting a church and a massive movement that has continued for 2,000 plus years. I remember that. So that whenever the future things happen, whenever I'm looking to the future, I can say there's hope in the future. There's promise that will be fulfilled in the future. So what am I going to do right now? I'm remembering the past for the future. So today I can live like there's hope. I can live like there is wonder. I can live like there is a God who actually loves me and who wants me to do well. So I'm remembering for the future today. That's what worship is. When you worship God, you're not looking at your present circumstance and saying, I am just completely up a creek and I have no idea what to do. You see, I can, I can still praise God. All my lips will be his praise, will be praises. All my lips will be words of hope and, and confidence. When I see people who are hurting, I can give them hope truly because I believe it, not just because I've heard it and I've memorized the line. Because for me, in my house, we choose to serve the Lord. And so I can set up memorials in my life. I can set up memorials with my family. I can set up memorials in different ways on how I can remember God and his goodness. Because many times when you go through the Old Testament, you start to see that it says, and the nation of Israel forgot who the Lord their God was. They forgot the deeds of their past leader. They forgot the trials that they were taken from. They forgot. And when they forgot, it was very easy for them to walk into something that made them feel good. Which would ultimately lead them into a destructive pattern or behavior or circumstance. And so Joshua 
and his wisdom and his understanding. He said, we need to know who this God is that we serve. We need to realize his wonder, his power, his love, his mercy, his grace. We need to remember these things. Because it was very merciful that God spared Israel when they were worshiping that calf. Goodness is very merciful. Because they had just then swore to God that they would not serve any other idols and they would not do anything like that. And God made a covenant he was going to protect them. And they, as soon as Moses went back up there, they're like, all right, cool, let's burn a bunch of this stuff and make, make a calf. That sounds great. Let's worship that. That delivered us from Egypt. Stupid. But we so easily turn to these things. If I don't feel the presence of God, then oh my gosh, maybe I need to do something else with this. He's there with you. We cannot be based off of our feelings. Feelings are good. I mean, I love when I feel the presence of the Lord. It's amazing. I love when I feel great. It's awesome. But when I don't feel good, where is my foundation? What is it laid on? If it's on sand, then that means I'm shifting and moving and bobbing and weaving every single time some kind of wave comes crashing in. But if it's on solid ground, then it doesn't matter what kind of thing could be trying to come against me. I know that I'm solid because Christ is my firm foundation. And so who is this who is this God that we serve then if we don't if we don't have our identity firm in this? If we don't if we don't know what the word says about who God is and about and what God says about us, then it's very easy for us to be moved back and forth. It's very easy for Israel to be able to to be pushed and and moved away and run after idols because they didn't know whose they were. They didn't remember these things. So I want to bring up I've read this before, but it's it's so powerful and it impacts me every time I read it. I wanted to end this service today with reading what scripture says about who God is and what he thinks about you. This is in a book, if you're interested, it's a really great book. It's called Experiencing the Father's Embrace. Uh, it's, it's written by a guy named Jack Frost. Um, not the snowman, but uh, this is by, by Jack Frost. And he was a, uh, a very harsh, bitter man. who He was raised by, uh, by a guy who was very well known in, in, in South Florida. as a uh, um, He was a tennis coach hard-nosed tennis coach, like coached some of the, the most amazing tennis players back in those days when he was alive. And uh, he was a pretty rough guy on Jack. And so his life ended up looking like he was very uh, verbally abused and he was always looking for affirmation. And he was just a very hard-nosed man. Got saved, but was still pretty harsh with his staff and all the people. And then there was a point in time where he experienced the true love of, God, of Christ in his life. And it melted and broken in a way that transformed him, his family, his ministry, and many other things. And, and towards the end of his book, he actually included this. It's like a love letter from the Father. And so I want to read it. If you, you can look on the screen as well. It has some scripture references. If you want to know where that specific phrase was in the Bible, you can see that as well. But it says this. You can, uh, yeah, just, just read along if you want. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't love me or who don't know me. I'm not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. 
and it is my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because you're my child and I'm your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I'm your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could ever possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I'm also the father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you're brokenhearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away the pain you have suffered from this earth. I'm your father, and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being, and he came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you. And to tell you that I am not counting your sins, Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you. Love your dad, almighty God. It's so important for us to know who we are, what God thinks of us. He is the father the best father you could ever have. If you had if you had a terrible father when you were growing up, you make sure you know that there is a much better father who is here. He wasn't absent from your life. He didn't run away from you. He didn't push you aside. He loves you immensely. you haven't had a good role model of a of a of a great of a great man in your life god takes that for you the thing is is that it's hard for us at times even if you've had a good father at times it, it's hard for us to be able to uh, to go through and really seek after the father's face if you've, if uh, on each side, so on, on one side, if you've had a terrible father, then a lot of times you run away from images of fathers because it's just been hard to reconcile the fact that there would be anybody who could take that place or anybody who could do well in that spot. If you've had a great father in your life, then, then sometimes it's easy for us to, um, it's easy for us to, to kind of lay aside and to just be used to having someone who is there. 
it becomes easy for us to forget because, you know, he's, he's just always there. I don't have to, you know, do anything. I don't have to pursue him. He's just going to love me. And we kind of push that to the wayside. It becomes underwhelming for us to think of a father that's like that. But the thing is that whether, whether, whatever side that you're on, whether you're on I had no representation or you had a wonderful representation, there is the middle ground that we have to be in to where we have to both come to the middle. We have to both come to the center, and we both have to say, Father, I want to pursue you. I want to know you. I want to love you, and I want to be loved by you. I want to I completely understand your word. I want to completely uh, know what you have to say about me. I want to have relationship every single day. I want to I have just long-lasting times of, of great fellowship, and I want to be able to represent you here on earth so that other people who are also like me on either side could, it, could be able to experience your love the same way. Both sides have to be able to have the process of putting in the time and putting in effort to get to know God. It's one thing for us to come to church and to pray a prayer, to go get baptized and say, I'm good. And then you don't read the word, you don't study, you don't, you don't look and you say, well, Zach, I hate reading. Cool. There's an audio Bible. Oh, well, I hate, I hate just listening to stuff. Great. There are videos you can watch that explain scripture too. Oh, but no, now you're making excuses to where you just refuse to get to know the one who actually saved your soul. Now, I also understand that there are times that you have, some people just don't have time. There's a lot of time that's, that's pushed around and that it's, it's really difficult to be able to, we got to make certain time in order to have this happen. If it's just 30 seconds where you go through and you meditate on that 30 seconds that you had, phenomenal. There's a great Bible app that's called the YouVersion Bible app. Every single day, they have a verse of the day. You can read that verse of the day and just meditate on that verse of the day. There are going to be seasons and times where you could seem like you have endless days of just all the opportunity to read all the scripture you want. You can read books on books on books, and there's no interruption, and it's wonderful and fantastic. Praise the Lord for your life. There's other times where you're like, oh my gosh, I woke up, and I just went did stuff the entire time before I went to sleep. And by the time I got home, I like took a step and went right to sleep as soon as I got inside the door. Because I've just been so busy doing things. Or maybe you have kids. You're like, the kids are going crazy. And I'm just with the kids all the time. There's nothing else I can do. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I don't feel like I can have any time to myself. I can't even go to the bathroom without a little human being right there with me. That happens too. There are days where you will for sure have that. We can be creative and find out ways that we can sit and we can be with the Lord. Whether if it's meditating on his word, just because you don't have any other time except for to just think about it as you're going through. Or even for hours and hours and hours. Find some way where you can connect with the Lord. Pray. Seek Him. And at times where you can't, you feel like you can't read, pray. Even in your mind. Lord, help me not destroy this child because they're being crazy right now. <laughs> we need to seek Him because we'll find Him. If you knock, He'll open the door. He's pursued after us but we have to also turn our eyes and fix our gaze upon him. So Joshua's fatherly advice, don't turn from the word. We have to know what the Bible says about things. We can't just know what people say what the Bible says. That's not going to cut it. That doesn't do it. You can be full of knowledge, but have no clue who Christ is. There's a lot of people who study the Bible, but they don't know who Jesus is. Let's, let's do both. Let's be able to study and know who Christ is. 
Amen. You are loved. You're not condemned. One of my favorite things to do is whenever someone reads John 3.16 is to go ahead and quote John 3.17 as well. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send him to condemn the world, but he sent him so that they may be saved. You are not condemned or pushed aside. He desired you, which is why he sent Christ. Let's stand. Father, thank you so much for these wonderful people. Thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you, God, that, that, that you impressed it upon these, these amazing people to write down and record the things that they experienced. These amazing stories and these amazing testimonies of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your gentleness, of your grace, of your mercy, of your power, of your might, of your righteousness, your holiness. Thank you that we have this. And that still today, all these years later, we can look to these, these words and we can get to know who you are, what your character is like, who you've called us to be, and shown us a great representation of a father who is protective, a father who is good, a father who is great, a father who, who has, has preferences and has rules, has structure, because we need structure in our lives. So Lord, help us remember all the things that you have done for us in our life. Help us set up memorials. Help us remember certain things so that we can recall you in our days. I bless each and every one of the fathers in the room and soon-to-be fathers, Lord, that you, that you just work in them, that you give them grace, you give them the mercy, you give them compassion, you provide time for them, you provide resources, financial opportunities, Father, so that they can provide for their families, that they'll have less stress because they're able to do the things that they need to, that, Lord, that if they're, they're looking for ends to meet, that, Father, you will meet those ends, that, Father, you'll give them, them great time to be able to spend with their family, you'll give them great grace to be able to use with those that they're close to. And that, Father, you'll give them great direction so that they can lead with confidence and that they won't be timid in their, in their leadership uh, capabilities within their family, but that they can lead strong, true, and courageous in their life and for their families as well. Father, I pray for those who have uh, a bad relationship with their fathers. Lord, that if, uh, if their father is still alive, that there is an opportunity for them to be able to show them your love. And that, Father, that those who need reconciliation, that, Father, you will reconcile. Father, those who have been away, that they will be able to, to draw near. And that, God, you will be able to use us to further your kingdom. And for those who have been wounded by past fathers, I pray, Lord, that you just touch that area of their heart, that area of their life, that area that needs healing, that area that needs restoration, and that, Father, that you will do the work that is good and wonderful in them. Because, Father, we, we all are so loved. And we don't need some things that happened in the past to dictate what we're doing in the future. Father, we want to be able to be defined by your love and your grace and your mercy. So I pray healing and restoration in the hearts of those who have encountered hurt in their past. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys have a fantastic Sunday. Go celebrate a dad today. Uh, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday. And come to the Women's Conference. It's going to be a good time.